Welcome back, everyone. I hope we're all having a great day today. So before we jump into this week's episode, I want you to think about something. Have you ever made a dare or bet with somebody and it went way too far? You should think about it and post on my Instagram. I'd love to hear your stories. Anyway, today's guest is Peter. And Peter tells me that he was in a situation where he took a dare and it went way too far. So let's just jump into this week's episode. Thanks for being here, Peter. Last year, I went to go visit my family for Thanksgiving. They live on the other side of town, so it's kind of a far drive, but I honestly don't mind it. We don't really get a lot of time to talk or chat or really see each other that much, so whatever chance we get, we take it. It's about an hour and a half drive, but I really don't mind it. I get up to the front door and give it a quick knock. Eventually, somebody answers the door and everybody's already there. The thing that I love about my family is that everybody's a different character. Like, there's my uncle who can fund an entire dispensary. My aunt who's got rooms dedicated to each of her dogs. I've got a cousin who took a picture of my dad and photoshopped it all over funny pictures and even sent them out as Christmas cards. I mean, seriously, everybody's there. What I really love is that even though we're all together, we're still doing our own thing. There are kids outside playing and people inside watching TV and chilling. You've got your family members inside who are cooking and your family members outside who are barbecuing. And then there's my uncle who just got done smoking and is checking up on everybody individually. In my family, you have two halves. You have the one half that are vegans and the other half that are hardcore carnivores. So usually whenever I make my plate every Thanksgiving, it's... A little strange, seeing as I've got vegan-friendly foods on one side of the plate and nothing but red meat on the other side. I think it's a little counterproductive, or even a little ironic, but to be completely honest, both foods are absolutely delicious in their own ways, so... Also, it's Thanksgiving, so I feel like I can kind of get away with it. As the day went on, people were leaving little by little, and I was saying bye to more and more family members. I decided to stay a little bit longer though and just kind of chill with my cousins. I love hanging out with them. My cousins Chris and RJ are always doing really exciting and wild things like going on adventures and just kind of exploring places that you're not really supposed to be going to. So when they asked me if I wanted to go to an abandoned amusement park, I told them what I always told them. Of course. They took their electric skateboards and gave me their bike, and we just started cruising. It was about a 20 minute ride, and in those 20 minutes, it really put into perspective how much I need to start biking again. We didn't really go too much uphill or anything like that, but by the time we got to where we were going, I was a little bit more out of breath than I would have liked to admit. We got there, and it was obviously a shelf of its former self. The sign was missing so nobody really knew the name of the amusement park and it was all gated off with these just big metal fences 
we walked around it until we were able to find a little opening in it and we just kind of pulled apart the metal fencing and we helped each other climb it. Once we were inside, we just started walking around, but we had to be very mindful of where we were stepping. There were a lot of syringes on the ground, debris, trash, and glass. This amusement park, as far as amusement parks went, wasn't really that much to gawk at. Behind us, before you come into the gated area, there's this huge plot of just overgrown grass. And apparently that's where they would have food trucks lined up and little food stations lined up and things like that. Where we were at, we saw this Ferris wheel. I want to say it was a big Ferris wheel, but as far as Ferris wheels go, this one was actually really small. There were a few small rides like a little merry-go-round and a little roller coaster that did really simple basic loops and there was a batting range and a pea shooter range as well. We're at the front of the amusement park where the ticket taker booth was. So we explored that area first and we were hoping to find old tickets or pictures or memorabilia of some sort. And we didn't find anything like that. Instead, we found a makeshift room with a dirty used bed in there. So we just kind of kept walking. We came across a lot of notebooks. We opened some of them and we just saw drawings or random writings, random scribbles, just conscious thought, just things like that. Nothing really that had substance behind it. We did find one person's actual diary but we only read a few pages of it. It's just talking about how they went homeless and what it's like being homeless and things like that. My heart does go out to the homeless. So we just kept exploring and we came across the Peashire range. Up until this point, everything looked like it was broken down and diminished and like the earth was taken aback, but this shooting range was actually really cool. You could still see this plaque where you saw the pictures, names, and dates of the people that got the highest score. It was this large plastic sign and it looked really dirty and like people were scratching into it. There were some pictures there, some were missing though, but the oldest picture dated back to 1998, where the newest one was taken in 2008. It was interesting to see, it was kind of like taking a step back in time. A lot of the winners back in 1998 were young kids, teenagers with a really large populated background behind them. This was really a hangout spot for some time. But over the course of the years, you start seeing the winners getting older and their smiles are just kind of generic smiles. They don't really feel like they actually won anything. At some point, they're not even smiling. They're just posing for a picture and there's not really a background behind them anymore. Over the course of the years, over the course of the pictures, Less and less people were showing up, and the winners were just getting older and older. And I think that's what really did it. That 
at some point this place was a hangout spot, but I feel like it was more of just a fad than anything. It started getting late, and it was getting creepier and creepier, so we decided to head back. It was kind of fun because we pretended like people were chasing us. It was this thing we used to do back when we were kids. We would get on our bikes and and ride off as if somebody were chasing us. And it was kind of like this thing that we would do. This kind of game we would play and even to this day we still do it. We got back to their house and it was already nighttime by this time. I was about to head back myself but my cousins convinced me to stay just a little bit longer. We were just going to surf the internet. It was this thing we did. It sounds really simple and stupid, but we just kind of looked on YouTube, recommended videos to each other, recommended websites to each other. It was just one of those things where we were just joking around as cousins. At some point, we were on YouTube looking up scary stories. And at some point, we started looking up Dybbuk boxes on YouTube. And after that... We were watching dark web mystery boxes on YouTube, and, well, after that, we all made the conscious decision to go into the dark web. At first, we were just kind of browsing around. My cousin Chris had a good idea of which websites to stay away from, which thumbnails to stay away from, and which places to navigate to were okay. We were checking out chat rooms, we were going to online stores, and Obviously, we weren't buying anything, but we just wanted to see what they sold. We just kind of browsed around the dark web. You could literally get anything there or find almost anything there, so we were just kind of doing that. Just the harmless stuff, you know. But at some point, we came across this one area where there's a bunch of websites that seem like they're legitimate websites, but they're really dark websites. There was a site that was claiming to be Blockbuster and when you clicked on it, it took you to an area where you can find videos of all kinds. You can find really wholesome videos you can find on YouTube, TV shows that are located only in certain countries but are dubbed in English or whatever native language you want it to be in, and there were videos of kinds that I'm really not going to get into just because they're really despicable. There was a store that was claiming to be Ralph's and when you clicked on it they had a selection of different meats from endangered species to even what they claimed to be humans. Again, we're on the dark web right here. Anything really goes on the dark web. A lot of stores kind of go by the same name as other stores and you can find legitimately anything. Honestly, it doesn't surprise me anymore at this point. But we started navigating to the online dating sites. And we even found some online dating sites that were knockoff versions of the original. The one we were looking at right now was Murder Me Cupid. It's a website that promoted itself as being a meet people around you type of website. So we went on it and just kind of explored it a little bit. It looked just like the actual dating website. The same banner, same layout, same everything. We were just kind of browsing through the profiles and just kind of seeing what's up with it. We saw people were able to put pictures and a bio 
and I guess you were able to put as little or as much information as you wanted. Some of the pictures were their real pictures, some pictures were just cartoon characters and things like that. You had the people who were taking it seriously with the pictures and the bios where they actually talked about wanting to meet the right person. And then you had the people who understood that this was a dark website and who put sometimes real pictures, sometimes really inappropriate pictures, or sometimes pictures like cartoon characters or GIFs or things like that. And their bios were more along the lines of just disturbing things or jokes or even suicidal comments. So, who's making an account? My cousin RJ asked. We kind of shrugged it off at first, but as we were kind of going through the accounts, we actually started thinking about making one of our own. We talked about it for a little bit, and my cousin Chris was a little against it at first. I was neutral, and my cousin RJ really wanted to start the account. So we just all kind of agreed on playing a game of rock, paper, scissors. And whoever was the first to lose would be the one to make the account. So we did a three out of three match. And after some time of going back and forth, guess who lost? If it was my cousin RJ or cousin Chris, they'd be here instead, right? So I lost a bet and decided, okay, I'll make an account. It's just a dating account on the dark web. It's not like anything's really going to come of this, you know? As we were making my account, we just kind of went through the basic steps. We uploaded a picture of myself, put in date of birth, and even put in a bio. If you're curious to what it said, it was just something like, Hey, what's up? My name is Peter. Everybody calls me Pete. I made this account out of a dare, but I'm always up to meeting new and cool people. Hit me up and we'll see if we can start talking or something. I really didn't know what to put, so that's why I put something generic like that. The interesting thing though is that when it usually asks you what you're looking for in a dating website, it usually gives you some sort of gender or non-binary gender, you know? Something like that, but instead there was only one option to click here. And when you were asked, what are you looking for? The only thing you could click was to be murdered. After my profile was made, we looked around more, but we saw this tab open up that wasn't there originally. All the tab said was matched. So we went on over and clicked on it. And it was a website that really celebrated these people that were being matched up with other people. So we just kind of browsed around a little bit. We were trying to figure out why this tab wasn't opened up before, or why we couldn't see it before, and even asked each other if we remember seeing it, but nobody remembers seeing it until after I made the account. We were looking on it, and apparently these people were matched up and were murdered by people. You saw people from the website who were being matched up with people who didn't have a link to follow. You clicked on their profile and nothing came up. As if they didn't even have a profile on the site. The really strange thing is that some of these 
people that were being matched with were anonymous faces, animals, objects, and even inhuman looking things. I don't even know how to describe it. Whenever somebody was matched up with somebody, you saw the person's bio and then next to their bio you saw who they were matched up with and a little short message from that person. One of the profiles I was matched up was this woman named Jessica and this man named Ben. He was a really generic looking dude and his only picture was a mugshot. We were able to see a short message that he sent Jessica. Dear Jessica, you don't know me and I don't know you, but in three weeks I'm going to see you leaving your job late at night. I'm going to be low on money and I've done some stupid stuff in the past and it's not going to be the last time I do that. I'm going to see you walk into your car and I'm going to follow you. You're going to be aware of it and you're going to think everything is okay, but it's not. You're going to think I'm going to turn, but I'm not. I'm going to follow you to your car and when I do, I'm going to kill you. You're going to put up a small fight, but not too much of one. Your case will be open for about five months until I'm eventually caught. My profile picture is a mugshot from your murder. I can't wait to meet you. Another profile we saw was a man named Harold. He looked like a really weathered, older man, probably in his late 50s, balding, curly hair, really big glasses and well his bio was I'm not gonna read it back because it was really disturbing but all you need to know is that it was suicidal mixed with a little bit of homicidal and who he got matched up with surprisingly was a bed frame the bed frame even sent him a message too which was odd enough the message said this Dear Harold, I know that you dislike your job and hate your life. That's all you ever talk about anymore. But I'm here to help you. In two days, you're going to be leaving for work, but you're going to trip over a ball of socks. When you trip over these socks, you're going to stumble a little bit, but eventually you're going to fall, and when you do, I'll be there to catch you. Your neck anyway. You're going to break your neck on me and fall to the floor. You'll be there for about three days before somebody comes and gets you. I'm here to free you, and I can't wait until we meet next. My stomach sank a little bit when I read this, but it's a website on the dark web. It's not really meant to be taken too seriously. So I just disregarded it and days went by. About two weeks went by and I was at this health plaza near my house. It's just pretty much this chain of shops that have to do with health, the CVS, chiropractor, physical rehabilitation, Sprouts, things like that. I like to go to Sprouts, one because it's walking distance from my house and two because the old people there are just really nice. I love the old people there. So I got my supplies and I was walking home. As I was walking home, I 
felt a buzz in my pocket. I was carrying a number of groceries, so I couldn't really check, but I just pulled my phone out to see if it was an emergency, and I saw that I got a notification from Murder Me Cupid. Dear Peter, you don't know me, and after you're murdered, my name will become visible on this website. To be honest, I don't really know you either, but I'm excited that I met you. I was at the Sprouts, looking for my next victim, and I saw you. Usually I murder old people, but when I saw you walking in, looking youthful, and I just couldn't help myself. I want a challenge. I feel like I'm getting older going after all these old people, and it's not any fun anymore. But then you walked in. You walked in and changed everything. And I'm so excited for the... I'm going to stalk you for a year and just follow you around. I want to study you so that when I do eventually break into your place, I can learn more about you. Know when you're gone, know when you're there, know when you're awake, know when you're asleep. Don't worry though, you won't know I'm there. You'll see and catch little mistakes I left, like maybe a footprint or maybe I dropped something and put it back in the wrong area. You will notice me, but you won't really think too much of it. I'm going to stalk you. And make no mistake, I will be in your house when you're asleep, and you won't know I'm there. You can stay up all night and be alert all day. I'll still be watching you. You have a year to get your affairs in order. I can't wait to meet you. My stomach sank when I read this, and I got goosebumps. How did they know I was at Sprouts? Maybe somebody hacked my phone, found the GPS location or something, but regardless, this was just creepy. I told myself nothing would come of it, but I'm not sure if I really believed that or if I just wanted to forget that I even got that message. Days went by and nothing happened. Weeks went by, nothing happened, and even three months went by, and nothing happened. Over the course of those three months, I thought about this notification, and there were times where I would think about it and forget about it, think about it and forget about it. There were times where I stayed up at night reading the message, trying to analyze something in it, and then other nights where I was just getting drunk and playing video games and just going to sleep. It wasn't until the fourth month that I noticed my comb was missing. And I did notice a footprint. A very small footprint. It, it was a smudge of dirt on the side of a footprint, but I was able to tell because you know those crosses that are on the bottom of boots? Or not those crosses, but those little X's or whatever you want to call them. I saw a little outprint of that as well as the side of what looked like a boot. It was not the dirtiest mark, but it was dirty enough for me to spot it. 
again, I don't know if I kind of disassociated myself from the situation and told myself that this wasn't happening or what, but I was a little freaked out, but at the same time trying to get myself to forget about this. This is not the type of thing that happens in real life, and I was trying to remind myself that. As time went on, I noticed things were missing and being moved. When I say being moved, I mean intentionally being moved, as if somebody's trying to gauge my level of awareness. When am I becoming alert? When am I becoming paranoid? When am I resting? And at this point, it was freaking me out. So I called the cops and they came over, they inspected the area and didn't really see anything that was telling them somebody was breaking in. They told me that they'd circle around my area, my apartment complex, and I guess that they were just saying that to make me feel better, but it didn't really do much. I ordered some surveillance cameras off Amazon and I installed them in my front door and my back door. My back door led to a little patio area, but I guess if you really wanted to, you could jump over it. It would be a little hard to do so, and it'd be a little in public, but I guess if you really wanted to, you could. I had them connected to my phone so I could watch them at all times, and even an alarm system on there. But that didn't really seem to help either. Days went by and more things were missing. I couldn't really tell what it was. Whoever's doing this though is becoming more confident. I was woken up one night by the sounds of footsteps inside my home. I got out of bed and, who's there? And I heard them run. I know what you're thinking. Why didn't I just get up and run after them? Normally I feel like that's what most people would think, that they want to confront the person. And I guess that makes sense, but when you're in that situation, you find yourself frozen. And you can't really fight it. I turned on the light and I just kind of sat there for a little bit staring at the door, just not really thinking about anything, but anticipating. I checked my phone to see if maybe the security cameras got anything, but of course nothing. Whoever this is, they know that I have security cameras up. They know that they're being watched and they're being extra careful, but they're still toying with me. I thought about getting a guard dog or something, like a dog that used to be a retired police officer or something, some, like I was hoping to get a dog that can sniff the person out before they even got to my house and would be open to attacking them. I thought about getting a gun, but nothing really helped. So I decided to move. I moved to a different apartment complex on the second floor. And for a few months, everything was fine. Until I started noticing that two kitchen knives were missing. It was a steak knife and a paring knife. I was thinking about staying with family, but I didn't for a number of reasons. One, being because they didn't really have anywhere to put me. And two, because I didn't want to get them involved. Whatever this was, 
my odds of fixing this are slim. But I don't want to get my family involved in this. Yesterday, I was on my way to work and I found a note on my car. It was written in magazine clippings and it just said, I see you. I again called the police and they asked me if I did that. They knew I was calling them and that there was no signs of a break-in. And it was a quiet area, so there was really no reason for anybody to break in. So, of course, they thought that I was just messing around with them. It's almost been a year now, and my gut is telling me I don't have much time left. If you know how to fix this situation, get out of this situation, please help me. I don't have too much time left. That's a really wild and crazy situation, and and I'm sorry that you're going through that, Peter. For all of you who are listening, if you are driving in your car and you think you're being followed, uh, make sure to take four consecutive left or right turns, and if the car behind you does the same, then I'm sorry to tell you this, but you're being followed. I would advise you to pull over if you feel safe and call the cops. Or keep driving and call the cops. If you're walking at night or you're just walking in an unsafe area, don't listen to music. Don't be on the phone with anybody. Despite misconception, being on the phone with somebody does not help. It makes you distracted and more of a target of anything. Carry pepper spray. There are pepper sprays that leave people's faces blue. So I would go for that. Let's all just be safe and try to make this world a little bit safer as well. Come back next week where we dive into a holiday special. I'm really excited about it. And yeah, until next time, please do me a favor and have yourselves a beautiful day, okay? Thank you and bye.